0: Welcome to The Take, where I sit down with filmmakers, artists, and world-class rack-and-tears, and we talk about story, life in the biz, and what it all means. Today I sit down with producer Stan Spry. Most producers would consider themselves successful if they produced 20 films within their lifetime. Stan Spry produced 20 films last year, in 2018, and looks to dwarf that number in 2019. Stan Spry is not only in the business of making his own dreams come true, but also of those around him, those within his cartel. As co-founder and CEO of The Cartel, a feature film and television production and management company, The Cartel works directly with producers, directors, and writers, assisting and managing them, achieving their career goals as well. For all his accolades, Stan Spry remains a down-to-earth, approachable, an all round cool guy, the kind of guy you'd want to grab a beer with. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Stan Spry. Yeah. Well, just to start off, thanks for agreeing to yeah, let yeah. me come in with some microphones in your office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. I'm sorry it took so long. No, I've man. Been, I've I, been kind of all over the place yeah. the last
0: couple of years. So. That's, that's why I'm interviewing you. <laughs> if, you, if, you had, if you were free and open at all the times <laughs> yeah. I asked, you probably wouldn't have been a good guest.
1: Well, I appreciate your patience. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate thanks, it. Thanks for coming to my office. Yeah. Though. You know,
0: so I just want to start I said I just wrote I was looking at IMDb and I just wrote down some like stats. Okay. Okay. So you, you made nineteen films last year. Is uh, that am I right? Twenty, Twenty. Actually, we
1: ended up with twenty, yeah. How the hell does somebody make
0: twenty films in one year?
1: Um very carefully. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we did uh, you know, we have an output deal with a foreign sales company. Okay. Um so we, we did a lot for them. Those were independent thrillers. Um then we also did probably Six or seven Hallmark movies. Wow. Um, And then we did two independent films. Um, Then we also did. We had started show which you know uh, the series, and we also started Twelve Forever, the Netflix series. Okay. Um, So I mean, the key is honestly, dude. We have I have great people that work here that are smarter than I am, who know what they're doing. So they make me look good. That's 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 a good answer. It's It's the truth. truth. I mean, honestly, my head of production is phenomenal. My COO on the production side of the company is a machine and then my partner Eric on the production side um, he oversees all the LA based independent movies okay um, which is super helpful we have a full development team that just constantly churns stuff out so on the um, the company structure there's two separate sides the company there's the production side which is cartel pictures Mm -hmm. which does mostly independent stuff Um, and we do some financing then we have cartel entertainment which is a management company representing writers, directors, producers, production companies. But we also produce that side. Okay. That side we tend not to um, own or finance. It's much more traditional producing. So, like, we have a series right now set up with Mila Kunis. We have a project at TBS with Tom DeLong. Um, hoping to get an offer on a show tomorrow. Um, but it's mostly TV stuff. Okay. Um, but, you know, Warner Brothers will come in and be the studio. Sony will be the studio. Occasionally, we can make the two companies work together. So, Creep Show is a good example of that. Creep Show came in through Cartel Entertainment, so I optioned the rights to the show from the Duddlesons. Um, we set it up at Shutter, and then we're financing it through a mix of Cartel Pictures and Cartel Entertainment, um, and then Cartel Pictures is doing the production services for it. Wow! So my head of production is overseeing that. My head of post production is uh, overseeing the post, and you know, kind of kind of works all together. So
0: so you do you, do you draw from, like you know, you manage and produce. So you, you draw yeah. from your own, like, We can. And you,
1: yeah, we do when we can. I mean, one of the ways I set the company up years ago was I never wanted to be like certain companies who attach themselves to everything mm-hmm. like that their client does. Because I, I think that's, I think it's not ethical. Um, so what we've done is when we attach ourselves to something that a client does, we have to bring some value. So either we go out and option a piece of IP for them, so mm-hmm. like a book or a graphic novel, um, or we will come on board and help um, help package it very much like an agency would, you know, bring on an actor or bring on a director, or we'll finance it. Um, and we've done a couple things like that. Like we did a show called Ties That Bind, which was I heard about a need that a network had, uh, up network wanted to do a scripted show, so I went to my client Cheryl Anderson, who's an amazing showrunner. She pitched me a couple ideas, and one of the ideas was Ties That Bind. So we took it in, then we put the financing together, then we kind of oversaw the production. So. That's a scenario where we brought a lot of value to it. Sure, yeah. Um, but we sell—I don't know—anywhere from thirty to fifty projects a year to, to networks that that we're not attached to, that are our clients. Yesterday we sold something to Freeform. Um, you know, it's just it, only when we make sense. Like we are under no delusions that we're Jerry Bruckheimer or J.J. Abrams. So if a client has a script or an idea that fits with those guys or Greg Berlanti and it makes more sense to give it to him support that yeah Yeah, of course we want our clients to succeed because as they succeed everything else in the company succeeds sure yeah we always want to be added value sure but then sometimes the clients do bring us ideas and we are able to to produce with them
0: that's pretty awesome so when you when you created the cartel was that your was it your idea was it to, at first to be a management company or a production company or was it always the idea to make it uh to two house
1: it was kind of kind of to be both and I, I i founded the cartel with my partner jeff holland okay um him and i started in a sweatshop behind uh, a restaurant on santa monica boulevard it was, it was disgusting Where? it was literally you know um eat well it's closed down now but it's yeah. uh, right on santa monica boulevard it, it, in west it's hollywood in like that pink
0: building kind of yeah yeah yeah, oh yeah they had the packaged foods <laughs> like right pretty much yeah, yeah.
1: so we, we were behind them and it was this old carpet factory um and we rented it out for like eight hundred dollars a month okay and we renovated it it was it was a pretty terrible space um but the idea was kind of to start we started as a management company jeff and i were both agents together but I had produced a couple of movies at that point, so I've always had ambitions to do both mm-hmm. and, to, and to build a company into something and, um, you know, kind of become a studio or a mini major or something like that. And we're still working at that. We're still working very hard to become that. Um, but our, our philosophy, when Jeff and I first sat down, was client first. Always wanted to make sure we were value added to the client, so we wanted to be the ones who were working like the agents, staffing them on shows, um, you know, getting them meetings with showrunners, getting them meetings with studios and networks, packaging the material and selling it, and then... Um, through that I brought one we brought on another partner Eric Woods and Eric and I formed the division cartel pictures Okay um, We did the first thing we did was a, a small movie called sand sharks, which uh, we made for like a hundred ninety thousand dollars It was absolutely ridiculous um, it, it, it was what it says. It's like s- sharks swimming in the sand um, We Made it sold it did, did pretty well with it and then we started Delving into other um, things. We've done web series. We've done TV movies. We've done independent films um, and as the company grows, you know we continue to do bigger and better things. We hope, um, but yeah, the idea when we first started was kind of, first of all, to not starve to death. Sure, <laughs> yeah, make it's, sure, a nice, it's a nice. Make thing. sure we can sustain a living, and not only eat
0: at eat well. Yeah, pretty yeah, much.
1: Yeah. But uh, we ended up, we ended up uh, just growing and kind of weaving and and trying to find our way into a, a business, which I think we've built something pretty good. But you know, we're still we're still working on building it. And what, how did you meet Eric Woods? Um, oddly enough I met him (laughs) he did a movie that was produced and directed by this guy um, I I won't say his name because it was a bad experience for them and then Eric's agent called me and said hey man I know you have a relationship with sci-fi channel Mm -hmm. do you think you could sell this movie for my clients so I went over to his house and I watched the movie and it was a decent movie but it wasn't remotely what sci-fi channel buys you know they have a very specific mandate and I told them as much like look the problem with this is you guys and eric spent the money on it him and his wife financed the movie so i was like you guys kind of went into this the wrong way you you finance the movie based off what the director wanted to do as opposed to what the marketplace was dictating okay yeah. um and i was like if you guys want to ever finance a movie again i can show you how it works where you're guaranteed not to lose a cent um of course people say that but they think you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. um but there is a way to finance movies and tv shows without ever losing a dollar and that is you make sure that the sales are guaranteed up front through an MG or a negative pickup agreement, um, and you make sure that the budget of the film is shot for around that number so that you're not out of capital. Um, or at least your capital's not at risk. And then, you know, your sale domestically or whatever could be the upside. So that's what we do with Sand Sharks. We had a guarantee from a foreign sales agent um, who basically covered the budget. Was so, it
0: based off the talent that was involved? Or it was kind
1: it- of based off the idea because it was such a small movie mm-hmm. that um, it was just the idea. There's there's a marketplace for... Uh, monster movies overseas that you know you could sell a guaranteed three hundred fifty four hundred thousand dollars in sales um, at the time and then the upside for us would be if we sold the domestic okay so we took it out we we made the movie you know the money was guaranteed they made all their money back um, because the sales agent paid out then we sold the domestic so we started getting profits from that then we started getting profits from the sales on top of the mg so like wow this model works and then from that, Eric and I became really good friends. We started doing movies together because he was really a great producer on set, um, and added a lot of value to to what I do, which is more along the lines of putting deals together, um, representing clients, and uh, doing a little bit more of the behind the scenes creative. Um, and he was he was more the the you know guy in front. That was Jeff Holland, by the way. Oh, okay, no, if, if, you, if, you want, if you want him, if you wanted to come in and say something super inappropriate, he will.
0: Oh, like bring him in. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Hey, Jeff, come here.
0: You have a dirty joke?
1: Uh, no, He's no. a walking dirty joke. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't make out with strangers anymore. Well, no Jacob. more? Jacob, hey, this Jacob. is Jeff Holland. Hey, Jeff. Nice, nice to meet you. you how are you? Good. It's a deposition. Oh, yeah, that? Just, let me t- take over. <laughs> you yeah, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you suing, don't want of these, one or two? I'm suing the shit out of you. I'm taking, I'm taking all the company. Take a line. Um, so, yeah, Jeff and I started the company Join together. Join the line. How long ago was it? 90. It was like a December, right?
0: Mm. That's when we moved in here. I don't know when the company No, was no. Called. We moved in here in a December. Dave,
1: I feel like we started the company. I feel like I had the paperwork and the paperwork for oh, Cartel's. I we got was... the
0: lease. The original lease is oh, the yeah. Way to the I was scene. talking about the
1: shithole we were in. It was around, what,
0: like 2009 or? It's I think after. I think it was a a after, de- a a a decade 2011. Decade we're getting there. We're getting there. I think it was 2010 or
1: 2011. We made Sand Sharks in. I no, made Terror Experiment in 2009. And then we made Sand Sharks in 2010, I think. When was the client list on? about who you staffed I don't remember when that was on you know I,
0: I PA'd on a project here uh, I remember. Jeff 3000 I remember When I remember. was that that was, uh, that was the day you
1: showed up and I had yeah. food poisoning because I'd eaten oh yeah sushi. yeah. you showed up and, you're like, and I'm, I'm walking, walking out. out I'm walking yeah, out I remember like, that. Hey, what's up? I'm like yeah. dude you know, I gotta, you know, gotta go what year was
0: that 2014 because that yeah. was Carnal and yeah. Yeah. my director Nick Kopis okay nice yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, have, you that seen like, oh, that? have you actually watched it? No, I have dude, not. It's seen great. it. Great, it's I've really good. Thing I, didn't say, up. Yeah, I was like, this robot. is insane." Yeah, like the smoke <laughs> and they coming through. Was yeah. yeah, it was when really like, good. like knocking over paintings in a museum or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, I'll send you the link, dude. It's yeah. online. It's okay. A Wired magazine is the one who uh, financed it, and they did it for their their online portal. Okay, that's so funny. I think it's, it's it's three episodes plus three behind the scene vignettes. Okay, cool. With like Arquette, yeah, Arquette, yeah, giving an interview and out giving an interview, and then then Summer Glau and the robot giving an interview. Yeah, exactly. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah hey, man. Was
0: that, wait, what was the dude's name? You know I just said I started reading that. Uh, the dude's name, wasn't he in it that was in
1: Alpha's? Oh, the guy was he there. did the voice. Ryan Cartwright yeah, did the right. voice. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I yeah. saw him not too long ago. At the yeah, he was great. Yeah, right, man, yeah I'll send it to you. Gonna it's go, fun. I'm going to go buy an iPhone. <laughs> nice. It's his Thank first you. phone. Yeah. yeah. He's, well, he's still new, using the flip. a flip phone. Are you, this is for real? No, no, no.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like I was kind of going to respect that. Like, geez, the yeah. He loves. All right. I'll
1: see, see you, you. Nice Bye. to meet you. Um, totally lost my train of thought. But yeah, that's all right. That's good. Yeah. That's Jeff, there, there it is. Jeff yeah. and I met. Um, he was an agent at a company called Dykeman & Associates. Okay. And I had been working for a woman named Andrea Simon, who was a manager. Um, and I wanted to become an agent to kind of meet everybody in town. Like, beauty you of know, being an agent is you literally go out to lunches, breakfasts, and dinners with everybody in town. Like. Uh, and somebody else pays for it. Okay, nice. <laughs> so so yeah. that was great. So I really wanted to do that and kind of learn, learn that part of the business. So Jeff left Dightman and Associates to become a manager and Jack, who's the owner of Dightman hired me to okay. come in to take Jeff's place. So we met through that process. Um, and then Jack sold the company to Gersh and I left to become a manager at a place called Artists International. Um, and Jeff and I reconnected to that. So we started like sharing information to like a tracking board we had and, Then he contacted me. I think probably about a year and a half after I left Artist International, to uh, saying, "Hey, you know, you've got some great clients. I've got good clients. We should think about pairing up or working together." So it was actually his idea for us to work together. I was honestly kind of hesitant at first. I was like, "I'm making a lot of money. I don't know that I want to share." Split it with, yeah, yeah. But you know, it made sense because I really did have ambitions of growing something, and you know. He's we we complement each other very well. Okay, nice. We're very different human beings, um, but he's it's, one of my, good, it's you know. good for
0: a really a yeah. partnership.
1: Both of those guys, him and Eric, both we, we couldn't be more opposite people. The three of us, but you know those two guys are both at my wedding and um, two, two of my best friends. And nice. I, there's no way in hell I could be doing what I'm doing um, or this company could be what it is without the two of them.
0: So that's kind of a, a piece of advice, like to
1: not try to do it everything on your own. Hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. Yeah, I mean, like we we share all of our clients with with the agencies too. So like, I would say ninety percent of our clients are, are co represented by us and like CAA and William Morris and UTA okay. and ICM Paradigm, all the way to like agencies like Abrams Artists and Kaplan Stoller and Gersh. You know, you work with good people, not just within these four walls, but within you know the other agencies as well. So that, again, you're trying to give the client the best chance of success.
0: Yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Um, and so the uh, I I read something it was some interview you gave I think and you said uh, that you know there's such an importance to networking and expanding your yeah. your network do you know where that was
1: I have no idea but it sounds like something I would say you say
0: yeah uh, <laughs> so I feel like you know I feel like you know I'm 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 28 but I feel like yeah. even I felt even when I was little young everyone's just talking about how they need a network they need a network and I feel like a lot of people just Maybe just go use that as an excuse to go drink. (laughs) So you know, like I'm networking. Lay off.
1: It's no. I mean, look. Truly, when I was an assistant, and when I was a younger agent and uh, and manager, yeah, I I networked all the time, and and most of it was drinking. Yeah, a lot (laughs) lot of alcohol. Um, But through that, I now invest in a couple of bars and have a whiskey brand I'm an investor in. So yeah,
0: you okay? So you own Rock and Riley. I'm an investor. Investor? I'm an investor in Rock and Riley's. I I, I grew up in Park City.
1: Oh no, kidding. Yeah, got a Rock. I know there's Rock and Riley's there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go grab drinks uh, at, at the LA base. Okay, Rally's nice. Sometime. That'll be fine. And you know,
0: Dan's. Um, I took Dan. I took Dan to dinner at, Pearl? at pearls. Okay, yeah. nice.
1: I got him. I, yeah.
0: And Dan's daughter had her, her engagement party at Rock and Rileys. That's so funny. He didn't. It didn't go through you. No, get...
1: I don't think so. Maybe he did. Maybe he um, did. My memory, yeah. memory shot. Up, but, okay, nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, the networking stuff is really important. Yeah. Um, the people who who you come up with in the business are the people that, you know, the people I, I was assistants with are now running studios and yeah, running wow. networks. So you now one of my best friends runs all the universal networks and, uh, he's fantastic. I represent his wife, you know, but we, we do business together too. Um, you know, people who are at Netflix who are buying from us are people that we were assistants with at one time you Yeah, know, and, and keeping those relationships up is important, but also just knowing people. I mean, Hollywood, I'm sure your uncle will tell you, I mean, and I'm sure you've realized it, it's all about who you know mm-hmm. and having access. Yeah, um, the access is huge. Yeah, anybody can write a great, not anybody, that's what I should say. Yeah. Someone could write a great script in Virginia. But if they don't have connections in Hollywood, there's no way to get that script made, yeah. at least not in this in this business, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could do an independent thing or something, but but if you want to be a TV writer, you're not going to be a TV writer in Virginia. You've yeah. got to move to LA, you've got to have relationships or at least have representatives who can help you build relationships. And that's one of the things we do for our clients is when we're taking out showrunners, all the way down to staff writers, it's important for them to meet as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So you meet as many producers as possible, you meet as many studios and networks, and, and you try to meet those general meetings, and those are the people that remember, remember you and give you your first job by your first script, you know. Yeah. And, and you build those relationships throughout. It's one of the best things about this business is getting to work with so many different people, um,
0: who love what they do.
1: Yeah. Kind of, right. The most, part. Part. <laughs> most, <for laughs> most There's some people who are pretty miserable in the business, but uh, it's a it's a great business, man. I mean. I I don't have a day where it goes by where I don't think how yeah. blessed I am to I mean, actually at be At least
0: most people start out in this business because they had a passion for it, yeah. Versus some other industry where there's to, you know.
1: I mean, there's there's way easier ways to make money than, yeah. than going in into Hollywood. Yeah. I mean i I was starving. My my one of my other close friends is now the senior vice president of uh, AMC Networks, and he worked for me uh, during a time when uh, we had a woman kind of screw us over and and take a lot of money from us and. Uh, so we were just starting out. I mean, we would sleep on each other's couches. Like we didn't have an apartment at the same time. Like yeah, it was rough, but it's worth it. You yeah, know? in the long run, I'm, I'm glad I went through those hardships. But uh, it's very difficult in Hollywood uh, until you actually become successful, so you, you, unless you have some kind of support. Yeah.
0: Time. Yeah, it's just hard. I like you know I remember growing up and people. I'm telling people I want to be an actor, and they're like, "Well, you're gonna get ready to be told no a billion times." And I'm <laughs> like, "The truth is, if you're getting told no, that means you're doing something right." That's right. Because you know, it's so hard to even get told no. That's right. Like it's to even true. get in the room to be told no is like, yeah, it's a feat. Oh, it is. It's a challenge unto itself. Yeah.
1: And the one of the keys to succeeding in this industry is being able to handle no. Yeah. I hear. I tell my clients all the time. I hear no. 30 times a day. Yeah. You know, people pass on projects left and right. It's like, okay, fine, not right. No therapy. We'll we'll find the next one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay. Um, I played baseball in high school and college. Okay. and, And, you know, batting average in baseball is if you get three out of 10 hits, you're really successful. So, like, three out of 10 at bats, you get on base. That's a 300 batting average. You're really successful. I like that. Yeah, so like it. I look at that and I'm like, oh yeah. Well, if I can if I can get one out of ten sales in Hollywood, that's a huge success. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it. But more like one out of a hundred, one out of a thousand. But yeah. I mean, for a time there, it's was like one out of every hundred thousand. Yeah. Know. It's it's, it was hard building a business, um, and it's it's hard sustaining a business. But uh, it's besides marrying my wife, probably uh, the most gratifying thing I've ever done.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And did you always want to be like when you were a kid? Was it like you want to be in the film industry? Or? You
1: know I. I don't think so. I think when I was a kid, I wanted to be. I wanted to be a baseball player. Okay, and I, I was Fair. pretty good. Yeah, um, I you know like I said, played in college a bit. Um, and where did you where did you play college? I went to Virginia Tech, and then um, I moved out to California for a summer league to live with my great uncle. Okay, and then I played in San Diego um, for a year, and then I hurt my shoulder, and I moved back to Los or back to uh, Cal- Virginia. Okay but when I was out here during that break it was the summer between my sophomore and um, junior year of college I my uncle had a friend named Wendy Clancy who was a TV producer and had done really well she like uh, also did um, creative advertising so she did like the Budweiser Frogs and oh wow and really yeah, those really those smart old, yeah those great commercials and I was like I remember being out here and first of all, I fell in love with, with California like, sure you're from a small town in Virginia yeah. with like a, literally a farm yeah um, being out here was just heaven yeah so I knew I wanted to do something out here and I had no clue what I wanted to do with my life I, I hated school didn't hate school I drank a lot in college I learned how to do that but just didn't have a helped passion helped with your networking yeah, a little yeah. Bit of, yeah, yeah. Uh, probably the best thing I learned in college yeah. but um I I knew that I wanted to um, be back out here and I I looked at this and I loved entertainment like I remember watching movies as a kid and like it was one of my most favorite escapes right like it was raining outside you go inside and watch a VHS yeah Um, I remember the day my dad brought home our first uh, VHS player
0: really yeah it was crazy do you remember the first thing you watched on it
1: I don't I remember we used to actually have to uh, rent VHS players like we had a birthday and my dad went and rented a a VCR and uh, we had like what was it the Sword in the Stone, the Disney movie, okay, yeah, um, and a couple other animated things. And I remember we had the movie. You're probably too young for this. The movie Rad, R A D. I don't know. It was it was a bicycle movie. Okay. But the movie is horrendous. They don't even. It's not even in circulation anymore. The rumor is that one of the women who starred in it bought the rights to the movie so that no could ever see it again. Really, yeah. <laughs> but you can still find it on YouTube. And my little brother and I would watch that movie. It was a BMX race movie. Literally every day we get home from school that is funny I love that movie but so anyways I knew that it's like I loved movies I loved the idea of movies I remember seeing Top Gun for the first time on my VCR and um, I always gravitated towards it I always like made stock puppets and shit as a kid and um, so it, it kind of made sense like my mom tells a story that she always knew I was going to go into something like this like she did so and, she had an insight yeah. it. but I, I didn't know I mean I just I wanted to do something that was fun and I didn't want to work a, a normal 9 to 5 yeah um you know I remember sitting on my porch when I was a kid on like a swing I don't remember why I had this thought but I think it had something that my parents divorced and I just remember thinking to myself I won't want to be 90 years old sitting on on a porch uh here regretting not taking chances in life yeah wow. um, and it, it was I don't know why I had that That's a lot of insight for yeah I was probably I was probably 12 or 13 wow. um and look I, I certainly have regrets in my life everyone yeah. does and you try to learn from those but something I try to do is just just Go even when I even when I don't know what I'm doing, try to go full steam ahead, you know, and and try to take chances.
0: Yeah, you'd rather deal with those consequences than the most of the time. The <laughs> yeah, <laughs> most of the time. Yeah, yeah,
1: it doesn't work out so well when the when those risks are taking like ten shots at Rock and Riley's, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: with those consequences of like you know, n- for like just as an analogy, like not going across the room and asking the girl out, like that yeah. that feeling is like haunts you.
1: <laughs> Oh, for sure. You know, absolutely. But. And I didn't get that kind of courage until uh, until I was probably in college. But um, when it came to like my career and stuff, I just, you know, I got lucky. I, I certainly got lucky that I found the right people and um, I made some good choices. Made a lot of bad choices. Don't get me wrong. I've I failed many, many, many times. You know, many different ways. Yeah. Um, and I, I wish I could go back and do things differently at certain times. But I I don't regret at least having tried. You
0: know? Yeah. Well, I mean, those choices got you to a place where you're. Making
1: 50 movies in two years. <laughs> we do a lot. Yeah. yeah. We do a lot. It's, it's uh, again, it, it's, a, it's a blessing, but it's also a crazy time in Hollywood. Yeah. Like when in the history of Hollywood have you had, you know, streaming platforms competing and, like, trying to fight for, for um, power? You've got networks, broadcasters still making content. Like, three cable networks doing content. It's yeah, just it's, constant. it's crazy. It's, everybody's right? making content. And yeah. Everybody's hungry for it. And because of the deglobalization of the world... Now we're selling our movies and TV shows into countries like China, you know, like where ten years ago you couldn't do that. So there's there's all kinds of opportunities for co-productions. There's web series. Facebook is doing content. Yeah. Snapchat. Apple is doing just content. released the. Yeah, we just sold something yesterday to Quibi, which is a uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg's new thing. Oh, um, is it I, Disney Plus or? No, no Quibi. Oh, Quibi. So Katzenberg started a company, and he's got some astronomical amount of money, and he's going to be making digital content putting real money behind it. I mean, the deal that we just did for the writers is, is a really good deal and uh they're gonna shoot stuff and serialize it for for all kinds of different platforms so like for facebook for snapchat for anything when you're on wow. mobile phone um so there's just there's just so much content and it's only gonna
0: made. grow like i, I, I hear people talking so. about like uh you know self-driving cars and I, yeah. I thought like well what are you gonna be doing while you're sitting in a self-driving car <laughs> you're right. gonna be watching yeah, like the amount of time that you're gonna be able to spend
1: watching stuff is, I think, is only gonna increase. Would you ever ride a self-driving car in Los Angeles? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's like that's a death wish. That's one I, I might. You don't want to really be the, the first. Wish. You don't want to be on the first <laughs> one. You want to be. I,
0: I I feel like my idea is that like if you're out in the country, like you can drive yourself. But I feel like when you got into a city, you'd have to give. Everyone would have oh. to give
1: over. That would be the thing, like a rule, like you have to regulate it so no one can drive actual cars. Yeah, like once you're
0: in like the city limit or a certain limit, you have to like it like like takes control, and
1: now like everyone's on a system. I don't know, man. Now you're talking about the robots taking over. Well, they are taking over. <laughs> yeah, that's like a, a robot or something. I know. I. Uh... A guy we do business with um, up in Canada has a, has a self-driving It's not a self-driving car, but he's got the function on his Tesla. It's a Tesla, okay. Yeah. That he's like, yeah, I put it on and it's great. I can yeah, just, I, don't I know can about read the that. paper. I'm like, dude, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah, that's a little scary. That's yeah. scary.
0: Especially when you're with other cars that aren't self-driving. Like if yeah. they're all communicating, I think that's different than like...
1: <laughs> that is, there's something so wrong about that.
0: <laughs> oh. But the, I think the traffic is, would be way less, right? Because everyone would
1: follow it like yeah. an inch, space. Yeah. And there would be no like we could all just teleport that'd be pretty awesome oh yeah I <laughs> <Survent laughs> that no, no then your intestines come out all fucked
0: up but... yeah beam me up <laughs> yeah yeah um, so you uh, so your first what was your first job when you came out to Hollywood then
1: oh man so I, I came out here I, I, I left college uh, in 2000 drove across country with two of my best friends um, one of whom I'm still very close with and we spent like three months on the road got to California had no idea what we were gonna do. Um, we got a crappy apartment on Venice Boulevard, uh, right by Lincoln. Okay. Such a, such a shithole. And uh, three of us lived in a two bedroom. And I was we all three were working at Kinkos. It was the only job we could get. Oh, we all just had graduate like the college degrees from Virginia. It's like end. a sick, It's like workaholics. Oh, it was so bad, dude. Like, and then there, so there was two floors. It was the Marina Del Rey Kinkos. The bottom floor was all the copies and shit you made. Okay. Then the top floor was where they had the computers. At the time, they still had like they were doing graphic designs and stuff. So I went to the manager's like, "Hey, man, I'm really, I studied computer science at Virginia Tech. I, I can go do that stuff." I hated doing the copies. Yeah. So they sent me upstairs and let me do that from like midnight till eight a.m. Uh, and Casey, who was one of my other buddies, was working downstairs. And some girl came in and made a bunch of call sheets. So Casey's like, "Oh, what's this for?" She goes, "Oh, we're producing a series of BMW commercials." uh why do you ask because oh you know my roommate and I are trying to get into the film business she's oh well do you guys want to be PAs so Casey's like buzzes me saying, hey do you want to be a PA on these commercials I was like yeah let's take a leave of absence so we put in a leave of absence at Kinko's because we still weren't sure what we we're gonna do and we started working on these commercials um it was like Clive Owen started them oh, wow. people like Karwa Wong um Guy Ritchie John Frankenheimer uh, were the directors. It was oh, wow. Insane. It was, yeah, and we were like, we were so excited to be there. We're like running around carrying two heaters on each shoulder. Yeah. Super stoked to be doing it and uh, we made some good money for a bunch of idiots from Virginia who'd never made money before. Yeah, commercial, commercial PAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were like, 900 bucks a week? Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. So we quit our jobs at Kinko's and uh, those commercials went on for a couple of months. Um, then I got a job working as a PA on Spider-Man. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah. Which was pretty fun. I, I, only, I was a secondary PA so I came in for the, uh, the big... Scenes like downtown New York, but we were actually shot in Downey. So that seeing something like that to me—they didn't shoot that in New York. No, dude. They built a New York set in Downey. It was insane. Wow. Yeah. So I remember watching that and thinking, "This is really fucking cool. I'm gonna do this." So I did that for a while. I worked on a, a movie called Jans on Bob Strike Back, which was at the time a dream come true because Kevin Smith films were one of the reasons I got into the business. Okay. Just loved his his work. Um, so I got to work on that and met Kevin and Jay and um, Matt Damon and ben Affleck were on it. They were super nice. It was it was a really cool experience. Then I worked on a. Uh, I was a second PA on, a thing called S Club Seven, which was a TV show. Oh, S Club! That thing that you were. Okay? Thing. I never watched that with my brother. Yeah. It was like kind
0: of. Was it like a little risque or something? Yeah, no. You know, <laughs> no. Maybe when I was like five. Yeah, so. it
1: was like it was like on ABC Family, which at the time I think was called Fox Family. Okay. Um, and ABC Family, for those who don't know, is now Freeform, but um. Yeah, it was, it was basically like Saved by the Bell with these seven kids from the UK who were pop stars and had that band. Um, S Club. Yeah, I have some great stories about that, but I can't say I'm one <laughs> on the record. Yeah. Um, and you worked on Elf too, right? I was You're... an intern on Elf. That was actually, before I got the job as a PA, I was a, an intern for, for two dudes named John Berg and Damien Um and, and I did it for free. Like, I was a college graduate working for free for six months. Okay. Um, reading scripts, giving notes on scripts, and just working in their office. But... Uh Berks and Connie then morphed into Guy Walks Into a Bar, and Guy Walks Into a Bar then broke up. Damien is now a financial advisor, but also a great producer. Like, he still produces. He lives in uh, on the Northeast, and we reconnected recently. Um, and John Berg ran DC Features for a really long time. So he left and became a, went back to being a studio executive, but they did Elf, which was their first wow, movie together. Cool. And, yeah, and so I, I was basically interning behind the scenes on that.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah. That's, that's like a... That was the
1: very first thing. But I didn't go to set or anything on that. Like that was, They started shooting after I left.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Very cool. So and, the, an and then we were a co-producer, right, on Guns, Girls, and Gambling? Yep. yep how, how did that come... Well, that was one
1: So was was, Sand Sharks, and then... So Sand shark. The first one was Terror Experiment. Terror Experiment. Which was truly a terrible experience. Um, it was terror. We shot in in Louisiana. It was the first thing i ever done. I was working with this guy who was just a, a villain. um, Like... He was a villain. <laughs> don't, I don't <laughs> say names or anything, but it was, he was like drunk all the time, wouldn't show up to set. We couldn't find him. Um, and that's actually where my my head of production. He was the um, line producer on that. And through that, he and I made a couple of movies, and then I hired him full-time over here. About oh, wow. Okay. Anthony Fankazer. Amazing. I mean, he's such a good find for us. But we did that movie. We had like a union strike on it because we didn't know what we were doing. And, and IATI, we were told we could shoot down there. And then some jackass put on IMDb that the um, – the budget of the movie was like two million dollars. So I think that the person who did it was one of the other producers who thought that they could drive the international sales by saying that. Anyone who saw the movie knows it was made for about 500 grand. Yeah, but that that like brought the Teamsters in? Yeah, the Teamsters and IOTC came down and um, it was a tough experience. We made the movie the movie was not great, but uh, it was was a good learning experience for me. Wow, yeah. Um, But it got distribution, Vision Film sold it, and uh, it was actually before the whole zombie craze so at the time sci-fi was like well, yeah nobody's gonna watch zombies because we wanted to sell it to them as a tv yeah. movie like no one's gonna watch zombies no one's gonna watch it and sure enough walking dead comes on and proved everybody wrong but uh yeah that was that was the first movie did, did walking was. dead come on before the movie dawn of the dead no 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 those were way but there yeah. was a remake in dawn of the dead There was in that was like the Zack snyder one right yeah it was 2003
0: yeah. or something yeah
1: we are um we i don't know if i can say this on, on the air or not but we're currently negotiating for the rights for day of the dead Okay. to take that out and try to revamp it as a TV series
0: okay cool um,
1: so I think we should be closing it in the next day or two so it should be fine okay yeah this one will um, come out tomorrow <laughs> it is or no, is it? no will not okay, yeah, cool. yeah 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 um, yeah so then we did Guns, Girls, and Games so I had a partner at the time Henry Boger who's still to this day a very very good friend of mine and Henry was working with Bob Yari um, and Bob had come on board to do the International MG the minimum guarantee for Terror Experiment and uh, and, and Henry had hooked that up so Henry produced that movie with me and then Henry ran Freeform Films, and he, you know, we shared an office together for a while. He helped me out a lot when uh, when I had some hard times. Like, he actually helped me get an office at Bob's company. And, okay, very right, right. um, Really great dude. Uh, but Henry was doing Guns, Girls, and Gambling. He'd been working on it for a really long time, and they had to go into production because Gary Oldman had a window. And if they didn't go into production, they'd lose Gary, hence losing other foreign sales. Um, so they needed some gap financing, and Henry called me. He's like, hey, man... If you want to be a part of this, like I, maybe you can help us find some money somewhere. So I don't remember how much money I found for him, but I basically found somebody uh, who was a very rich guy out of Texas or Oklahoma, and he ended up cash flowing the tax credits. Okay. Right. Um, so that helped him get financing and make payroll for a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's how we made the movie. That's and, how we got involved. Am, am I
0: wrong? Did I? Because I was living in Utah tonight. Did I audition for that? You might have. Dude, did they we shot it in Utah? Okay, so I did. Audition we did for it. Yeah, I did. I remember Rock auditioning City. for the, for that. Then that's funny. Yeah, it's super what, fun. Who what rolled you audition for? I, I I have no idea. I mean, I was I was uh, what year was that shot? Dude,
1: I, I'm, I'm really bad when With it comes 2000, to like years and dates. 2005, maybe Sounds about right. So I was like 15. No, not 2005. Because I didn't make my first movie until 2009, so it probably would have been 2011 or
0: 2012. Okay, uh, so I was like 22. So whatever yeah. a younger role. Yeah, I don't know. That I don't know. What, I don't know what role I auditioned for. That
1: was a fun one. Did you ever see the movie? No, I have not seen it's that. Fun. See it. It's It's a fun movie. It, it was on Netflix for a really long time. Gary's great in it. Christian Slater is fantastic in it. I mean, he's I just love that
0: guy. In yeah, movie. Christian Slater's awesome. Um,
1: Helena and Mattson was in it. Uh, Robert
0: Gineers in it too, right? No
1: no, Chris Catan was in it. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Um and Catan's and a he's a friend, he's fantastic too. Um
0: yeah, Night is, at the Roxbury is one of my favorite movies. Yeah.
1: Chris, Chris <laughs> is a funny guy. Yeah. He's a really good actor too. I can't remember who else was in the movie. There's Anthony Anthony Azizi No, Anthony Azari maybe or Azizi. Anthony Azizi, I think, from Lost was in it. Um It was a good cast. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And cool. I I was up there for about a week, but uh, I went up on Henry's birthday to surprise him. But it was it was a cool experience. And him, you know, allowing me to get that credit certainly helped me build the company. Because, kind of you know, motor, like leverage to get the next. Yeah, thing. a little bit. A little yeah. bit. I could say that I was part of a Gary Oldman movie. so Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't the he who just made Sand Sharks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, yeah Gary Oldman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gary Oldman has, has had such an awesome career, to
1: he's amazing. He's a, a total pro. And uh, he has this manager named Douglas Urbanski, who uh, also is an actor. Okay. So. Douglas played um, the Harvard Dean in The Social Network.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's crazy. That's
1: Gary Oldman's manager? Yeah. Interesting. Your yeah, Bansky Group. Douglas also has, uh, he does his own radio show and um, actually stands in for Rush Limbaugh when Rush is out. Oh, he, wow. Yeah, he's a great radio host. That's very cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Gary Oldman's someone that's been able to like, y- you can't like uh, pigeonhole him into like yeah. a certain character. I remember him in True Romance. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I good, didn't. Damn. I didn't know that was him <laughs> until a I. couple, like, like five years ago. Or I something. didn't
1: even know it until we were sitting and and. Gary, uh, uh, Henry told me that Gary was gonna be in it I'm like oh I really liked him in The Professional he's dude what about in True Romance like he wasn't in True Romance we got into an argument about it with he's the like, dreadlocked, yeah was like, oh, Wait, like, it's with a... Gary I'm like no fucking way <laughs> yeah no way so that's good just... yeah, I remember like I, I
0: became like you know watching like the Batman movies with Gary Oldman yeah. and I'm like like, you know that's the guy in True Romance like, no <laughs> so way brilliant.
1: yeah he's, he's an amazing actor and then yeah. Tinker Taylor was one of my favorite things I've yeah. seen in the last oh, like, 10 years She's amazing he yeah. yeah. was very good yeah it was fun I mean I, I got to meet him I didn't really do much work with him but yeah, he's great. His his agent's uh, a really good guy too. So hopefully one day, if he's listening, he'll let me hire Gary again. It, yeah. Hopefully one day I'll be able to afford Gary again. Yeah.
0: Um. So just you know, what would be your main advice for? I guess it's twofold because you you represent you manage writers and directors and your producer. So yeah. let's 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 get advice for
1: each. What your so, main
0: advice for you know up and coming someone who's a
1: writer-director? For a writer-director, um, make whatever you can. Right now, like it's way different than when I came up. Mm-hmm. You can shoot a movie on your iPhone yeah. and get distribution for it. Create a body of work. you know If you're a director, create a body of work. If you're a writer, write as much as you can. If you're also a writer and you want to do TV, you know try to get a job as a writer's assistant. So move out here, um, go to the networking events with other writers and writer's assistants. One of my clients, who's uh, one of my best friends and... Um, probably one of the most important clients uh, all our clients are important to the company but he's one of the probably highest profile clients of the company he's a guy named Joe Henderson who's the showrunner of Lucifer and Joe is one of the smartest dudes I've ever met when he was a a writer's assistant when him and I first started writing together or working together he was a writer's assistant for Barbara Hall and he started a writer's assistant networking group okay and those people are now like Joe's running a show he was in a massive overall deal with Warner Brothers he just sold a massive comic book he created to Sony Um, like he gets it. Like he he came out here. He met these people. They all became his best friends, which is important because you have to have some kind of friendships mm-hmm. out here. But they also are people who've grown up in the business with him. So networking super important. Writing is important. Um, you know, just I, I devour anything you possibly can, like reading wise about the business. Read as many scripts as you can. If you've never been out here, intern at a management or a company or in uh, a production company or an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of writers come from the agency ranks or from the management company ranks because they'll be assistants, but the managers and the agents are the ones who know where the next writer's assistant job is. So then we'll help. I had an assistant years ago named Eric Bodge. who really wanted to be a writer. So my client, John Tinker, took a show for AMC and We called The Divide. Okay. And I was like, John, do you need a writer's assistant? He goes, yeah. I was like, okay, please hire Eric. And he hired Eric and gave him his first shot as a writer's assistant job. Um, so it goes back to having connections but also yeah. just digging your heels in and getting in somewhere yeah sometimes like taking the taking a job is not going to be exactly what you want to do yeah but you have to look at it as a mean to an end sure yeah you know? i mean when i first got here i wanted to be a director okay um, you did wow i did yeah. so i worked at this, at this internship and then i worked on production and i was an arrogant little twerp so i thought I, you know i was like i know better i know what i could do and then as as i grew and like learned more and more about the business, i realized there's no way i could do that like i couldn't possibly be a director and and think like that. Um, so I, I went the business route. So just getting your foot in the door in some way, shape or form is, is, is important. And then in terms of like if someone wants to be a producer, my best advice is try your damnedest to get into one of the big four agencies as in the mailroom. Uh, I know it sounds stupid. Nobody wants to work in a mailroom in an agency, mm-hmm. but you're not gonna meet nearly as many people if you're not like working at CAA mailroom. Then you work on somebody's desk at CAA or William Morris those people are the ones who become the heads of networks one day you know my buddy bill started in, in the mailroom i think it was at william morris then he became an assistant for like fox and then um usa and now he's running like four networks
0: so that's that's that's, the, that's where you meet everyone that's yeah. the boot camp over and, and
1: be tenacious and and you know persevere because there's gonna there's never gonna just be an upswing right like it's it's hills and valleys mm-hmm. constantly Like there, there's gonna be a lot of successes then a lot of failures and if you really want to be out here and are passionate about it, you've got to be willing and able to to deal with that. And if, if you want to be an actor, you know, act, go out there and work for um, short films, you know, student films. Mm-hmm. Work free, do whatever you can to get your face out there, build your reel. You know, I mean, yeah, that's that's what it's all about. And then through that, you can get representation. Yeah, um, yeah. It's putting so that putting put putting the work in yourself. Yeah, and not and just waiting. Truly, I mean, that's the, what you just said is probably the best thing, best advice I could give anybody. Believe in yourself. And reinvest in yourself yeah if you're an actor invest in acting classes if you're yeah. a writer invest in writing classes you know if you're a director invest in your own film um I and mean, look for us i i was broke for a very long time because every dollar i had would go back into investing partially it was it was also me having a lot of fun Like i'd make <laughs> money and then i'd take people out for drinks you know nice, and yeah. i was building my friendship that way but i was putting stuff back into the company i you know we'd go out we like buy new computers for the company so it was constantly reinvesting in yourself investing in, some in way. it yeah um my liver does not thank me for it, but, uh, you know, it, it, it <laughs> out. Um yeah, invest in yourself, believe in yourself and like, you know, take care of yourself and try and try not to, uh, to go too crazy if you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's very good advice. Yeah. And then what would your, what's your definition of making it? Do you think?
1: I, it's different to everybody.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean. Cause like when I look at you, like you've made it, right? Like you're, you're but I look
1: at myself and I'm like, I still have so far to go
0: okay so maybe yeah. that's
1: maybe that's the definition
0: um, you, you have to have that mindset. i think it
1: depends on like who you are as a human being and like what your what your ambitions are and uh, what you want to do i feel very fortunate that that i've gotten to the place where i have in my career at the age i've gotten here because i still have hopefully a, a lot a lot left to do yeah um, but I, I think i think being happy in, in yourself and being happy in your circumstances is a good definition of making it whether you're an assistant and you feel good because you got into the business and now you're working for an agent or a producer or a manager or whatever it might be mm-hmm. take pride in that you know take a moment to like revel in it and uh, and reflect upon it and be like this is really great I've gotten to this point in my life now I want to get to this point in my life you know so to me making it I'll never ever feel like I've made it you know I can make 20 Academy Award winning movies and, and be worth a billion dollars I don't think I'll think I have made it feel like I'll there's always things. have more to do and I'll always have more ambition or more more than I want to do um but truly just being happy in what you are I, I, in that sense I feel like I've made it because I feel happy I have an amazing wife I have amazing friends I have fantastic clients um, I might get emotional here because I get, it really is a blessing to do what I do for a living with people I love and care about yeah you know that's a uh, so in that sense I've, I've completely and totally made it in life absolutely I, I'm yeah. super blessed and uh, you know professionally I still want to do a lot more you know I want to grow the company a lot more I want to I want to grow my clients a lot more I want to get them successful um you know, i want to make great content you know um and have fun doing it yeah that, there's no uh, greater yeah. business in the world yeah you're in there you're I've in the, the show so business might as well have fun yeah it's so much fun yeah you know? i mean it, it's sometimes things can knock you for a loop a little bit if uh if they get you down but at the end of the day you just have to remember that this is this is a dream job yeah know? and this is a dream business there's people out there who unfortunately like you know I've, I've had to work some of these jobs i had to dig ditches i had to clean people's toilets like yeah you know i was installing refrigerators you know like, this is great. Yeah. So it's, uh, we're very fortunate and blessed that we get to work in this industry. Um, and the other piece of advice I would give is that if I can do it, literally anyone can do it. <laughs> <laughs> like truly, there is absolutely nothing special about me, nor where I came from, um, nor any gift I was given. Like just hard work, tenacity, and and keeping at it. You know, if if I can succeed in this business, anybody can succeed in this business. I firmly believe that if they have the hard work and tenacity yeah, yeah yeah by the way i didn't always work that hard i mean there, <laughs> yeah. was, there were a couple of days where i'm like i'm too hungover to go to the office yeah but yeah it's truly really like just just working hard and uh continue to pick yourself up when you get knocked down as cliche as that sounds yeah uh, we all get knocked down at times right we all hear no we were talking about this before we turned the recorder uh, yeah. on like i hear no a thousand times a week but it's the one yes that i hear that's worth worth all of it all of it yeah but yeah it's kind of like my old dating life <laughs> yeah yeah no, no 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 all the time but got once, one once a girl go out on
0: yeah and i've i've been feeling you know i felt down or not not having enough opportunities and then like something as simple as like trying to just go outside and look at like a palm tree yeah or like when i if i was like a teenager growing up in utah and i just like to see those palm trees would make me feel excited <laughs> exactly like, man you know, like, i'm in like la that. like there's you've that the feeling beach, you've
1: got the mountains yeah. it's, it's incredible like uh it's a charmed life that we lead. And um, I wish, I truly wish that everyone on the planet got to experience uh, what this was like because it's a, it's a great feeling. Yeah. It's a great business. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah, yeah, the most part. <laughs> <laughs> when, it's, when it's going well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even when it's going bad, it's still better than, than having to do a lot of the other shit that, that I've had to do in my life.
0: Sure. Know? Yeah. So I feel very fortunate. Very cool. Well, yeah. thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, bro. dude. It was an awesome conversation. Thank you
1: good insightful I don't know device. about insightful <laughs> it is it's I good I feel like I talked more than I've talked in a long time but
0: uh that's, that's what this is all for yeah yeah. I, I've had people on here like I think I talk too much I was like you don't do you know what this is <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm interviewing you look I'm happy
1: um, to uh, any other time like if I'm traveling or whatever if you want to run questions by me or whatever you feel free to reach out awesome we like, world set something up and uh we could do an, a Skype, but we should go grab drinks at Rock and Rallies or Pearls. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I'd love to. All right. Cool. All right. I'm, around, I'm around over the next couple of weeks before I have to go to Winnipeg for uh, for a couple of things. But, okay,
0: nice. Yeah. yeah. I'll shoot you a text. Okay, 100%. All right. All right, well. all right
1: thanks, man. All right, you bet. I appreciate it.